In uh, November of 2013, Pastor CJ and I started working on something. And in my office, there's been these two or three dry erase boards that we mapped out something. And it was just so, it was so awesome, you know, know, uh, to us. You know, it was like we really was thinking through some things and God was really speaking into us. And it was talking about um, our identity in Christ, our identity in God, and then our self-identity and things like that when God's not the center of our identity. And so as we begin to flush that out, we were all prepared to teach that, I believe, for the first part of 14 last year. Uh, as we begin to move towards that, the Spirit of God said, it's not time. It's not time. And so we're like, okay. you know. And so we went to and developed some other series. And uh, various times throughout uh, the year of 14, we would start planning some stuff and start in a series. And we're thinking, man, this is perfect for this right here. Let's pull this out right now. And the Spirit of God would say, it's not time yet. It's not time. This week, we were preparing for the series that we're going into. And we're sitting there and we're mapping it out. And we're mapping out what we're going to be speaking on today. And it was like, it's time. It's time. And it was just so exciting to be a part of that. And for that that diagram to really flesh out the Holy Spirit using that thought that where He was going to lead us as a body, uh, it was really exciting to to see God continuing to um, add and subtract from this. And so today I'm very excited to talk about something that we've been thinking about since November 13. And so it's been living inside of us, Pastor CJ and I, for some time now. And I'm excited to present this to you uh, this morning. Um, it's something that um, we, we find very dear to us because it really talks about us growing in the image of Jesus Christ. It talks about us as believers, this, this, this journey that we're on, and, and really goes into a little bit more detail with that. And so today, I'm going to, we're going to start by talking about this, and for the next few weeks, we're going to really talk about, we're going back, as we go forward, we're going back and we're going to talk about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to accept salvation, what that means, what that looks like. Because I think once we have that set in our minds, then we can progress and move forward. It's not, I don't think, any news to anybody here that there are a lot of people who profess Christianity. In fact, the statistics, uh, I think one statistic says that the United States, 60%, 60%, I believe, if not higher, uh, claim to be Christians. But then you look out across things that are happening within the United States, and it's like, this doesn't make sense. And so today I want to share with you some things, and I want to walk through uh, some things with you as we begin to launch into this. Um, And so, do we have slides? Okay, go ahead, because I'm seeing a blank slide. There we go. Um, Go to, Jacob, you're going to, you guys, I want you to, this is going to be something we're going to kind of walk through. This isn't going to be, I might get off on the slides a little bit here. Uh, Go ahead and project this slide, this next slide, and um, I know where I want to go. And we've got blank slides behind if you look at that monitor right there, usually I know where I'm going next. And it's blank again. And I don't know where I'm going next. Jacob, I just want you to follow along. If you can find them, follow along. Uh, because again, this is something we've been really living with, and it's been growing and evolving. And so, um, But I want to talk to you about what it means. Typically, when someone becomes a Christian, what happens? There's three things that happens. Okay? We believe. We have this moment where... Uh, something takes place within us, we believe, three things happen. We believe, we receive, and then we become. Now, let's talk about the believe part. 
The believe part is when, and we, the believe part is something when, let's say, some of us are sitting in here this morning, we believe. Some of you are sitting in here, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. You believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to God, you believe that. You settled it, you believe that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've accepted Him. Throughout your life, you may have had of what we would call these kairos moments. These moments within your life where God comes in. You know, where God comes into your life, maybe before, as before you believed, there was these times where God would come into your life. And you would say, wow, God just spared me. God just, God just moved. There's got to be a God because you have, and you have these Kairos moments. And each time you have these Kairos moments, it led you more towards this, this, this um, realization or towards this um, moment of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That doesn't end, though. Throughout your Christian life, there's these Kairos moments. Uh, Henry Blackaby, this, uh, Mike Breen calls them Kairos moments. Henry Blackaby would call them uh, where we have, this, um, we have this decision of faith, where we come to these, crisis, these moments of crisis of belief. If remember, we were going through experiencing God, he termed them as crisis of belief, where we come, we're presented with the word, we're presented with truth. God intervenes into our lives, and we literally have to make a decision. There's a fork in the road. And we have to make a decision. We can't just stand there. There is a decision to be made. Will I go this direction where God is leading me? This is the Kairos moment. This is a crisis of belief where God is pressing in and I have to act upon what I believe or I don't act upon what I say that I believe. And so we go into a different direction which is away from God and we don't go towards His will but we actually go the other direction because uh, it's, again, a crisis of belief, and we don't know how to reconcile that. Does that make sense? And so throughout our lives, before we know Christ, we have Kairos moments uh, that leads us to Christ, hopefully. Some of you are sitting in here this morning, and you've, had, you've been having Kairos moments, but you still don't believe. You haven't accepted. You haven't, you haven't um, grabbed a hold of that, that an invitation that God is extending to you, that God is pursuing you. You haven't yet reached out to say, I believe and I'm committing my life to you. I am going to follow you. I'm going to study the scriptures and understand you and I'm following you because I believe that you are the only way to God. Some of you are sitting in here this morning where you've made that decision. You are a believer. You're a Christian. You, these, uh, Kairos moments have come into your life. These crises of beliefs have come into your life and it led you to accept and surrender. Some of you are sitting here this morning. As a Christian, you can look over your life and you can see these Kairos moments where God has stepped into your life. He's intervened into your life. And you've had these, uh, again, Kairos moments, crisis of belief, same thing. You've had these where God is wanting to take you in a direction and you followed. You were obedient. You trusted you trust in Jesus, and so you take those steps. And because you take those steps, you become a more mature Christian. You begin to take more of the identity of Jesus Christ. You are becoming more, you look more like Jesus Christ. Some of His fruits, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is starting to demonstrate itself out from you. You exude joy. You exude peace. You exude faithfulness. And so that's what it means as we grow. We're growing. We believe and we receive. And then we become more like Christ. And so what happens is, I'm looking for a diagram. Do you have a diagram that says that, that God's at the center? I'm sorry, guys. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second here. I'm looking for a diagram. 
There's why it's blank. That's okay. This is what it looks like. Thank you, Jesus. I've been <laughs> inwardly praying as I'm talking. Where is the diagram? This is what we get to. This is what a mature Christian looks like. Jesus is at the center. Our true identity, which we spent weeks going through in Ephesians, our true identity is in Jesus Christ. And so when our identity becomes in Jesus Christ, and we've accepted that, and we've surrendered to that, and we've become humble to God, and we allow God to work in our lives, and we become more like Him, Jesus Christ is at the center, and we begin to live our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And all around this, if you can see, you have the true identity. We're going to have banners printed up. This is all going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about this for a while now. But our true identity is in Jesus Christ. And I love the for I cringe when we use the linear thought process of Jesus is first. And then what's next? Well, I think it's family. Well, then what's next? And so we create these layers and I'm like, oh, that is so... For me, I can't resonate with that because when we have Jesus at the center, everything else around us is affected. When Jesus is living inside of our lives, when we understand our identity in Jesus Christ, my family is changed because I'm changed and Jesus is saturating my family. He's saturating my workplace. He's saturating my recreational time. Everything around me, this thing that's inside of me, which we talked about for weeks through through the hashtag culture series, is Jesus is coming out. That's what, what's inside of me is going to come out and affect everything else around me. And so as Jesus is at the center, I affect the church that I attend. I am part of a local body called Element, and I pour myself into Element. I serve there. I worship there. I partner with that. I help the vision and the mission of this local body become a reality because Jesus is at the center of my life, and Jesus has me here at this ministry to affect this church, to affect Blissfield, to affect Adrian, to affect those around me. Guys, you're not sitting in here by accident. You're not. I don't believe, do you really believe in coincidences, Christian? You're placed here because hopefully Jesus is at the center of your life. You are placed here to make this local body that we call element come to life. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's God's church. This is His ministry. And you are here for a specific reason to affect this ministry, to make the ministry, to help us uh, as God has laid it upon our hearts to restore the broken one life at a time. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. And when Jesus is at the center of your heart and that is, He is your identity, you become, you're living out of your true identity, you affect everybody around you. You affect this church. That's why it's so critical for us as God has placed us here and has given us gifts and talents that we use it in the body of the church to influence others, to bless others, to encourage others. That's what it's all about. It affects our activities. He affects our workplace, our family. I mean, around this circle, you could put everything around it because when you come in contact with everything, you are, Jesus is going to touch it because Jesus exudes from you. Does that make sense? That's what a Christian looks like. A Christian, and if you look at this in here, um, we have some different passages 
of Scripture in here. But around it talks about wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.17 where God gives us wisdom. He gives us revelation of how to, to live our lives. And he says, I keep asking. Paul says this. If you can see around that outer circle, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the what? Spirit of what? Wisdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you, what? May know Him better. This isn't about us. We often, you guys, some of you have been attending here for a while, often refer back to Rick Warren's, remember Rick Warren's book, book, The Purpose Driven Life? What's the first sentence? It's not about you. It's about you in the sense where Jesus fills you, where Jesus just fills you up with Him, where you surrender to Him and you become so full of Him that as you go out, you just exude Him to others. But it's about others. It's about us knowing Him better and becoming more like Him. And God gives us that wisdom and revelation. That's why we cringe when we sit in meetings and people say, I think. I think, I think, would you all agree that we don't really want to know what we think? We want to know what Jesus says. What has Jesus said to you? I believe that Jesus is leading us this way. I believe that Jesus has pressed this upon my heart. I believe that Jesus, this is where I see Jesus moving. This is where I see Jesus taking up residence. This is where I see Jesus touching and people and moving and things like that. Don't hear me, don't hear me devaluing anybody. But I cringe when we start in, I think. I think. I want to know what Jesus is saying. What is Jesus saying to you? What is Jesus revealing to you as you pray for wisdom. James says that if we want wisdom, we ask for wisdom. And we believe that God will give it to us because if we don't, we're just like the waves tossed to and fro, right? But when we believe, when we go to God and we say, God, what is it? Jesus, what is it that you want in my life? How is it that you want me to make this decision? How is it that you want me to act in this situation? How is it that you want me to move? How is it that you want me to deal with this? How, how is it that you want... God, Father, give me wisdom. Give me your wisdom. I don't want to know what I will do in this situation. God, I want to know what you want me to do. I want you to act in and through me. And if we believe the Bible says that God will give us that wisdom. And we begin to affect everything around us because we're full of His wisdom and revelation as He reveals it to us. This is what a Christian looks like. And I get that we're human. I know. Some of us are saying, but, but, we're human. Hey, I got it. Okay? I struggle with it too. But this is what we're called to. This is what, if you're a believer sitting in here this morning and you've said that you've received salvation from Jesus Christ, this is what He's calling you to. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. This is what He's calling you to. And when we become individuals that's on this journey and we're, and we're, we're striving hard for this and we're helping others around us, this is what's going to impact I mean, this is what's going to impact significantly 
uh, things in and through us. This is what it looks like. Now, here in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some, some we're, we're going to map this out a lot further. This is like a big intro to you. But, but I want to talk to you about, this is the, I don't want to say this is the ideal. Because sometimes the ideal comes across like, well, this is, you know, ideally this is what it should look like, but we know that it's not going to happen, right? That's, this isn't some ideal model. This is what the Bible says that we're called to, okay? We're called to have our identity rooted in Jesus Christ. However, now, some of you are sitting in here this morning, you resonate with this, man. You got it. You're on this journey. You look at that and you're like, amen, brother. And uh, by the way, if you look on the outside circle where it says true, uh, the true identity, um, can you see what it says in that blue or that green part, bluish green part? No? Well, there's your problem. You can't even see it. You need to read your Bibles. No, I'm just it's t- it says sealed in. I'm going to the outside, but it says sealed in by the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30, it says it's time to stop uh, bringing, bringing grief to God's Holy Spirit. It's time to stop bringing grief to God's Holy Spirit. You know what that means? It means that at salvation, God places His Holy Spirit in your life. And His job is to do what? To guide us. To confront us. To direct us. That's His job. And when we bring grief to the Holy Spirit, it's when we say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go where you want me to go, God. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, I can't do this, it's too hard. I can't be who you want me to be. And so we take these little side paths and things like that. That's when you begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of you and He's communicating with you as a believer. As a believer. He's inside of you and He's communicating with you and He's saying, this is where, this is where God is taking you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says this, he says, who knows a person's spirit more than the spirit of that person? Or who knows a person more than the spirit of that person? And he goes on to say, that's the spirit of God, the one that knows God, is the one that's placed inside of us. We now have God's conscience inside of us. We have him taking up residence as believers As believers, we have the Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of us where He's there to say, I want you to go this direction. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. Stay away from this. Don't do this. Abstain from that. This is where you need to go. You need to have this conversation. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, and, and he encourages us and he 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 you know help you know he directs and leads us into the ways of God because it's all designed to do one thing, and that is to bring God glory. And we start getting into business where we say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I do, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that. We start grieving the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches that when we start grieving the Holy Spirit, our conscience becomes seared and we become less sensitive in hearing the Spirit. And that's where we don't want to be as believers. And some of us in here this morning are believers where we've grieved the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for forgiveness and repent and today and say, Father, This is not what I want for my life. I want your spirit to be true in my life. And I want to live by your spirit. Please forgive me. And we're going to repent. Some of you are going to repent this morning. You're going to go the opposite direction. Saying, I can't grieve the Holy Spirit any longer. I need to live the life that he's calling me to live. My true identity in Jesus Christ. And so, when we begin to live our true identity in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit starts producing the fruits of the spirit within our lives, right? Right? Joy, peace, and that's what comes around there. The fruit of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit 
Spirit-led life, Spirit-filled life, it works with the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit. That's when we start producing the fruit of the Spirit. We're full of joy. There's going to be times where we get down. I get that. We're human. But for the most part, we're full of joy. Why? Because it's not based, as we talked about, it's not based on some circumstantial events in our lives about controlling things. It's about God taking up residence in our lives and the Spirit's producing this fruit because our focus is on that which doesn't change and that is on God Himself as the Spirit leads us. And so this is what it means to look like as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, let me share with you the, the... the other direction here. And this is where some of us may be able to may identify, unfortunately, but this is where we're going to be taught what we want to be talking about here in the in the next few weeks so that we can we can get off of this. But what happens is some of us, as we're presented the gospel, we receive it. But when we receive it, or we believe, and then we receive, we hit a wall. And that become part becomes sketchy. But we hit this wall. And it's kind of like this concept of, we, for some reason in our minds, and some of us are sitting here this morning, and we hold to this belief. We probably wouldn't state it this way, but we hold to this belief. We've got our wristband for the amusement park. Okay? I'm going to go out and grab some lunch, and I can get back in because I've got my wristband, right? I'm good to go. My debt's been paid. My, you know, I paid admission. I'm, I'm good to go. And some of us live our Christian lives out as, I'm good to go. I really don't have to become, I'm good to go. I've got my wristband, and that's all there is to it. And unfortunately, your lives begin to hit a wall because you're not becoming like Jesus. Guys, the word salvation is a dynamic word. It's not a static word. It's not... I've received salvation, I've got my wristband, so I'm done. And I'm just going to wait till either Jesus returns or we die and we go to heaven, I've got my wristband. Dallas Willard, um, I'm going to read something to you, talked about it this way. And I thought it was very appropriate because we live in this type of society. He referred to it as a barcode. We've got our barcode, and when we get to heaven, we're going to walk through a scanner, beep! And we're in, you know, we got our barcode, we're in for the big game, right? Beep, we're in, we've got our barcode. Listen to what he says. He says, think of the barcode now used on goods in most stores. And I'm just going to quote him. The scanner responds only to the barcode. It makes no difference what is in the bottle, right? Or in the package that that, uh, bears it or whether the sticker is on the right one or not. On a recent radio program, a prominent minister spent 15 minutes enforcing the point that justification, the forgiveness of sin, involves no change at all in the heart or personality of the one forgiven. It is, he insisted, something entirely external to you, located wholly in God himself. His intent was to emphasize the familiar Protestant view, that's who we are, we're Protestant in, in, uh, in our belief, uh, the Protestant point that salvation is by God's grace only and is totally independent of what we may do. But what he in fact said was that being a Christian has nothing to do with the kind of person you are. The implications of this teaching are stunning. The essential thing is the forgiveness of sins and the payoff for having faith and being scanned, quote-unquote, comes at death and afterlife, now being death and after. 
Life not being lived has no necessary connection with being a Christian as long as the barcode does its job. But can we seriously believe that God would establish a plan for us that essentially bypasses the awesome needs of present human life and leaves human character untouched? Or have we somehow developed an understanding of quote-unquote commitment to Jesus Christ that does not break through to his living presence in our lives? Does that make sense? Some of us are sitting in here and we have a bar, we've hit a wall because we have a barcode. We believe, we've received, and for some reason we stopped. Now I want to throw something else out there that's pretty challenging, and that's this. Henry Blackaby talks about this in one of his books, about the giving of the Holy Spirit, and about salvation. And I tend to agree with Henry Blackaby the way he puts it. He says this, when we receive salvation, salvation, and this is hard for us as humans, I think. For me, it's hard. It may, and it might not be for you. I think it's a paradox. It's hard to understand. Because when, when, when he talked about this, he said this. He said, salvation is not necessarily, it's for us, okay? Jesus has saved us. But for many of us, we stop at that level and we say, well, this was for us. It was meant just for us. When really salvation, yes, we're affected by it. But salvation is there for an extenuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Doesn't Paul teach that in Ephesians 2? We're saved to do what? Good works. James says, you say that you can have faith without works. I'll show you faith in action. And so the point I'm trying to make here is this. And this is what Henry Blackaby says. And I, when I read it, it really stunned me. But as I live with it more, I really, I really grab a hold of what he's saying. He says this. Why would Jesus trust his spirit within your life if all you're going to do is live disobedient to him? That doesn't make sense, does it? I tend to agree with that. Why would Jesus extend salvation to us if we're not going to do anything with it? If we're not going to partner with Him and come alongside and follow Him and make disciples and be a part of this great movement that He started? You still with me? Some of you are going to have some good dinner conversation, right? I tend to agree with that. I think Jesus, I agree with Him when He says that Jesus gives his spirit to us at, to extend his ministry. His ministry. Which means we become more like him. We become more like him. We take in on his identity and everything that we just talked about. But for some of us, we've gotten stalled. We've got the barcode. We've got the wristband. And we believe that that's where it stops. And I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, um, I believe, talks about actually, actually, I want to I want to back up to, to, to chapter 2, verse 12, and, and listen to what Paul has to say. Paul writes and he says this. There in uh, chapter 12, I'm going to read from the ESV. I've, I've should I've always read from the ESV. He says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
It's this dynamic thing that he's talking about where we're living in this moment of salvation, where we're living it out, where it's being, you know, we're becoming more like him. Listen to what he says in chapter 3, and let's start with verse 12 there. He, and he talks about this whole concept of maturity. He ta- he's talking about this whole concept of moving towards Christ, of becoming more like Christ. He says this not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. What's he talking about? He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If there's one individual in this Bible that that I would say the dude arrived, it would be Paul. And yet Paul's saying, guys... I haven't obtained it yet. I haven't obtained maturity yet. Paul's saying, I'm going to strain forward. I'm moving forward. I've got to forget what is behind me, and I've got to keep my eyes fixated on what is ahead. And I've got to push forward. I've got to strain forward. I'm running the race. He continues to say this, let those of us who are mature think this way. And we talked about this in our men's class here this morning. I love how Paul says this, and I think it's, I kind of view it tongue-in-cheek. It may not be. But he says this, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, well, God will reveal it to you also. I love that. Like, well, God will take care of that. You know, you'll believe me one day because God will reveal it to you. I, I think it's, I don't know, just kind of humorous to me how he says that. But he goes on to say this, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many for whom I have been told, and I think this is another one of these verses that I think is pretty sad in the scriptures. He says, For many that I have been told, I have told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I think he's referring to people that says, I believe. I've received and I believe. And yet then now he's saying, it's, they're, they're walking as if they're enemies of the cross. They're not becoming more like Jesus. They've got their barcode. They've got their band, per, per, you know, supposedly. But they're, but they're enemies of the cross of Christ. And he says this, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from whom it from from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables them Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. You see, what happens, is there an image that has the negative side, Jacob? Put that up. That's where I want to go. This is where some of us get stalled out. This is where some of us, instead of striving forward, instead of saying, my salvation is dynamic, we we, we have this barcode wristband type thing, and we think everything's fine. I I don't have to mature in Christ. I don't have to become more like Him. This is just who I am. When you're around me and you get upset with me because I talk to you very direct and I kind of devalue you, that's just me. Ho hum. Giggle, giggle. That's just me. You've got to accept that. That's because we're living out of a false identity. That's because instead of Christ being at the center of this, we have, and fill in the blank, whatever it is. 
Whatever it is that we believe gives us our true identity. And again, we've spent a lot of time talking about this whole concept of identity. If, you, if you're one of these individuals, that your identity comes through success, or your identity comes through your pride, or your identity comes through your achievements, your identity comes through being right, your identity comes, whatever it is, whatever you would put in that blank, that's exactly what it does. It glorifies yourself versus glorifying God. And what comes out is toxic stuff. Because when we come in the church, we're toxic because we're not happy, because we're not getting our way, because my way brings me glory and my way brings me joy. Because I'm at the center of myself. Not Jesus, I am. I don't have joy, I don't have peace, because I'm trying to control this and I can't control you. And because I can't control you, I'm unhappy with you, and you need to just get in behind me and follow me because you know that I know what I'm talking about, so just bow down to me, and then everything will be great. And so we affect that. We affect our families the same way. The toxic stuff we work, whatever it is, activities, whatever it is, whatever you fill this in, and, and it talks about this false identity. Paul talks about these things extensively, the fruits of the, fruits of the self. Where it's full of debauchery. It's full of all these other th- dissensions and all these other things. And he says at the end of that, end of that fra- end of those verses, he says, if this is what you, pr- sexual immorality and those types of things, if this is what you practice, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit where Jesus is at the center. But this is where some of us sitting in here this morning are at. Our identity is in something else besides Jesus. And we may, Satan is deceiving us. He's saying, hey, you're okay. You've got your barcode. You've got your wristband. Trust in it. Trust in that. Guys, that's not what the Bible teaches. And for some, we're going to be very, very disappointed when we stand before God And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Because the people who follow me have surrendered to me, they've humbled themselves to me, and they do the will of my Father. Not the will of themselves, but my Father. As the worship team comes back, I'm going to close, but what I want to really kind of end with here is this. In the next few weeks, as we begin to extrapolate this out, begin to really talk about it, because really where we're going to be going in the in the big, you know, it's that whole pick thing where we have. Um, could you throw that back? I'm sorry, Jake. I'm really working you today. Could you throw the image of the pick back up there for me, the where it says PIC. Yeah. This believe, receive, become. And then, and then the pick stands for, uh, do we have the, do you have the one that's where it identifies the pick? No, where it says pick and it defines what the P is and the identity. Nevertheless, where we're going. You have to follow me on this. Where we're going is, is we're trying to go towards understanding our salvation is dynamic. And as we grow in Jesus Christ, when we begin to truly understand, truly understand that this relationship, if we say that we have a relationship with Jesus and He lives at the center of our hearts, that our identity is in Him, not ourselves. And when that happens, ultimately what takes place is 
everything we do individuals, everything we do as a collective body as a church does one thing, and that brings God glory. That's why we are saved. That's why Jesus extends salvation to us. That's why Jesus pursues us with this intimate personal relationship that says, follow me. Follow me. And as we follow him and we become more like him and our identity, our personal narcissistic self-identity is crushed and he comes out and his spirit bears the fruit inside of us, the thing that happens is God gets his glory. If you're living your life with yourself in the middle, you're trying to rob God his glory. This isn't about you. It's about us giving God his ultimate glory that he is so due, that he is so worthy of, that he is so deserving of, that we live as individuals, that all that we do just brings him glory. And that's when all the horizontal stuff begins to fade and dissipate because who cares? Who cares about this other stuff? God, I mean, it'll work itself out. I'm not saying it's not important. But when we're giving God his glory, man, that oversaturates everything. And that's when God is able to move in our lives. For some of you sitting here this morning, you've got self at the center. And Jesus is calling out to you today to say, be a part of my family. Be a part of me. Be a part of this salvation thing. Be a part of this movement. Get on board with this movement. Some of us are sitting in here as Christians. And we're duped. We're deceived because we think we have the barcode. We think we have the band. And we've hit a wall. And we're content with staying at that wall. That's not what God has called you to do. That's not who God has called you to be. God has so much more for us as we attain more of his, of his likeness and become more mature in our walk with him. Guys, this is a day that I pray that wherever we're at, if we're not in, if we're not in the spot where, where, where Jesus is at the center of our lives and our identity is in him, I pray that you would just humble yourself this morning and just cry out to God and say, God, here I am. I'm not doing this any longer. I want to follow you. I want you to take up residence in my life. Whether I want you to, to either initially take up residence in my life or, or I want you to renew me. I want you to refresh me because I've gotten off path and I've gotten deceived. And the way I'm living my life right now is not for you. It's more for me. And so this morning, if God's moving, I pray that you just respond to his Holy Spirit here. I pray that you would just respond the way that he would want you to respond and that you would just begin to receive just receive him receive him if you'd like to spend some time in prayer the elders would love to come and pray with you just you know just to be there to help pray and just encourage you and to and to say that we're here that we're here as a church to walk alongside of you so i just pray that you would respond the way God would have you to respond here this morning. Let's stand. Let me lead us into a word of prayer. Father, it's so easy at times for us to get off the path. As, as, as Christ, as people that are trying to follow you, sometimes it's so easy for us to get deceived or to get wrapped up, distracted. 
and get things jumbled around to where you're not at the center that we kind of take over control again and we're at the center. Or Father, it's so easy sometimes in here to just excuse away these things and say they don't really matter. They're insignificant. It doesn't, you know, uh, you know, at the end, of, at the end, everything's going to work out and you're going to love everybody. Father, I pray that you would just press hard on these individuals' lives that they might understand that that's not but they're being deceived and that is not the truth but the encouraging thing is that you're, you're a God of love you're, you're not a God who loves but you, that's part of you but your essence is love and instead of giving up on us instead of turning your back instead of just saying you know what I've done with you instead of that you continually pursue us you continually invite us back into this dynamic, intimate relationship with you. And Father, if there are those that are operating outside of that right now, I pray that you would help us just just grab a hold of your hand and allow you to pull us back up on the rock. Or maybe this is the first time we're going to experience you and have this relationship with you. And Father, for those in here that have been, that are encouraged and they are worshiping hard and they are just full, they're just living out their salvation in a dynamic way. I pray that you would continue to encourage them and help them become individuals that uh, just just can be used to help reach others. Father, I just pray among above anything else that you would just make yourself known here today. People would respond and that you ultimately would receive your glory. So I pray here in the next few moments your spirit would just move pray these things in Christ's name.